Hello and welcome to the next installment of Opt-In Podcast NYC. I am one of your hosts, Officer Joe Galetta, and I'm joined in studio this week. John Negron. Remotely with one of our producers once again stepping up into the host seat. Madison Moreno. And this week, our guest moving up the ranks this time with a lieutenant. Lieutenant Mike Almaty. A little bit exciting for me because we've only had police officers and detectives here, so now we're getting bosses in the room. So now I gotta, now I really gotta watch what I say here. Stepping it up, exactly. So, Lieutenant, what is it that you do within the department? So I'm a citywide liaison, also special projects lieutenant, and I also oversee youth um, officers in Manhattan North, Manhattan South, Brooklyn North, Brooklyn South, and Staten Island. So what would you say you do on a daily basis as a supervisor now? So every, every day is different. I mean, um, we have events that we plan in advance. We also do home visits for missing children. We provide programming here at the community center, 127 Penn. I oversee a basketball program here. It's a busy schedule, but it's all um, very fulfilling stuff. Before this, you were a sergeant and then a police officer. Were you ever a detective? No. I started off as a cop um, downtown Brooklyn. I became a sergeant after five years. In 2013, I became a lieutenant. And were you always involved doing community stuff with the youth? or No. Uh, as a cop, um, I was a downtown cop, which is basically the shopping district in downtown Brooklyn. And as a sergeant, I was an anti-crime sergeant, so I led a team of individuals that mainly focused on violent crimes. When I got promoted to lieutenant, I went to the 107 precinct. I was a platoon commander, so I oversaw a whole platoon. I was also an integrity control officer at that precinct. And then I went to Brooklyn North, and I was the personnel lieutenant for the, for the whole borough. So I oversaw the uh, staffing levels for like 3,000 MOS. Um, 10 precincts. Um, and But my passion was always the community. Sure. I grew up in New York City, so uh, I know how to navigate the city and, and, and really get to know people that, that you know reside here. So that has always been a passion of mine. So that's how I got to, uh, to where I am now. So speaking on that, can you just elaborate a little more on what really made you become a police officer? I had always wanted to become a police officer as a kid. When I got to my teenage years, um, I started to to have negative interactions with police. And by negative, I mean getting pulled over, um, being disrespected and spoken to in a, in a not so favorable way, um, getting thrown up against the wall, um, getting searched with no probable cause and no reason for it. Um, so I, I developed a hatred for police. And... Um, that hatred uh, grew deeper and deeper as the years progressed. And um, this one particular day, uh, I was driving with a friend. He had an open warrant for an unpaid summons. So we got pulled over and they took him to the precinct. Um, at the precinct, we met a cop who was providing us with information about the arrest. Um, that cop introduced me to a second cop who started to come around my block and check up on me. And when I say check up, I don't mean in a negative way. I mean in a positive way. Like he took an interest in my life and um, he was my first ever mentor. And um, he took me under his wing. He would invite me to play basketball with other cops. And I began to see a different side to police. Yeah. Um, it was no longer uh, a hatred for cops. It was more so, wow, I'm now being exposed to a different side to police. They're actually human. He would come around my block in a, in a van playing Hot 97, music that I was listening to. 
And I, I, I had no idea that there was radio, music radios in police cars. Yeah. Um, so, um, needless to say, he sparked my interest again to want to become a police officer. And he would always push it. You know, he would say, Mike, you're going to become a cop and you're going to be a boss one day. And I never really took him serious because I never saw myself becoming a cop after my experience. Mm-hmm. And um, But he kept pushing it, kept pushing it. Finally, I took the test. And at 5 o'clock in the morning on a January um, morning in 2003, there was a car parked outside my house. And it was my mentor. And he was there to take me to my police graduation. <laughs> and it's been a fun ride ever since. He was at every promotion. And, and he really paved the way for me to to do this and to do it effectively because I'm coming from a place of experience. Mm-hmm. I know what it means for a cop to take someone under their wing and, and really impact that kid's life. I know that was a little long-winded, but... Yeah, you know, the point was there, It's though. part of the story. I, I want to talk more about kind of the, the negative, the unfortunate negative interactions you had when you were younger. Um, you know, now being a police officer and having a lot of achievements and a lot of years um, under your belt, what's something that you would say kind of to the to the youth of the city that share the emotions you shared when you were younger um, towards police officers, especially during uh, this time? That's a great question. I, I will always say don't paint all cops with a broad brush because there's so many different personalities on this job. And I've worked with an incredible amount of great officers who genuinely care about people. So my message to youth is always get to know a cop before you paint everyone with a broad brush. And that just goes for anything in life, right? We're, we're living in a very uh, politically um, fueled era, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's the same thing. Don't judge people because of their political views. Don't judge people because of their profession. Um, there are jerks on this job. You know, there's jerks. You know, on the far left, there's jerks on the far right. But don't paint the entire nation, Mm -hmm. you know, one way because of their views or because of their profession. So I would just say just be open to having that dialogue with a cop. Get to know a cop just like you guys are doing. Yeah. Right. You guys are getting to know cops through this options program and it's opened up your eyes to what we do. You know, you would never have that experience if you weren't open to that. I, I have this mindset where like, you know, unfortunately cops are only allowed to do certain things within their job for the sake of the job so i never really um uh, imagined uh, a police officer having their own social media that they run and you know they're allowed to use um because a lot of times you know they have personal social medias they keep to themselves with like 500 followers like it's their family and friends but you have like what like 20k mm-hmm. just like broadly what's that experience like how how did you get there so i opened up this account um five years ago And it was at the height of police-involved shootings. I saw through Facebook and my personal Instagram account, which I no longer use, a divide. And people were picking sides, right? And you were either pro-cop or you were pro-community. And I didn't see anyone in the middle saying, listen, what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. Mm -hmm. If it's a a bad police-involved shooting, the cop is wrong. If it's it's a, a justified shooting, the cop was right. Right. I never saw that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start an Instagram account that highlights the work of officers in the community. And that's the that's the main reason I started, it because I wanted to show people you don't need to pick a side. You just need to pick good versus evil. And that's it. 
So it's it's grown, going back to your question, it's grown organically over the years. Different people share your stuff. You know, um, a lot of the stories that I tell are genuine stories that are people from the community, are cops. And now I've involved my personal life on that account. I share my, my story, you know, about my wife, my kids. So it's just encompassed everything. And um, I think why people gravitate towards the page is because it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you don't get, um, f- you know, a feel good, fuzzy feeling from the page. Just just one way towards cops. It's it's encompasses everything in life. It's a it's a different type of neutral. Yeah. So as for growth, um, would you consider the growth of your Instagram account pretty gradual? Um, did it happen overnight? Did you was it anything like one event that sparked a growth? Can you speak on that? Sure. So um, at first it was gradual. Um, and then someone reposted someone that had a lot of followers reposted something from my page and my page grew by the hundreds really fast um what seemed like overnight and then since then it's it's grown gradual um there's certain topics that yield more followers you mm-hmm. know um especially like hot topics for example when uh when George Floyd was was murdered I was very vocal on my page about that incident and I, I, a lot of people started following my page because they hadn't seen an officer, even though other officers do do it, they hadn't seen an, an officer speaking negative about other officers. So I think um, I gained a lot of followers through, through that and also, um, like you said, gradual. To the, to the to the honesty and the raw yeah. truth of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I keep it real. I'm always going to keep it real. What you see is what you get. Yeah, that's something. That's something you don't uh, see publicly from a, a department from a, the NYPD. I know it exists, and you see it kind of in a you know if you're close friends with a cop or if you just so happen to be in the room. But it's not something you see publicly on a, a social media. And I, I normally I think a lot of it is the NYPD um, kind of watching you know what the cops say to make sure that what they say is respectful and appropriate to the situation um so i, I think it's it's really a good thing that you're doing appreciate it i mean I, I i've never gotten out of line on my page i've always uh you know maintained my professionalism even when i've gotten attacked mm-hmm. on my page because that happens too yeah i get attacked and and i started my page to to have dialogue right so when a when a cop shoots someone or a cop gets shot I want to be able to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's just put our cards on the table. Let's 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 um have some dialogue and and maybe we'll have some growth and understanding through it. So um I think people appreciate that 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 rawness and that realness and and the fact that they can actually ask a cop a question and you're going to get a real response, mm-hmm. not like uh you know, a politically correct response. Yeah, that's something that I really want to to do and like focus with this podcast as well. Yeah. Cool. So how has your social media presence affected how others see you in uniform? I've done presentations for the last, I would say, four years um, at the police academy for the recruits that are about to graduate. And during that presentation, I talk about my life experience. I talk about why I became a cop. I talk about the mentorship program. I talk about my personal life, my my experience um, 
having a divorce, you know, my experience as a father and the recruits love for the most part, love the uh, presentation. And whenever I walk into a precinct, you know, they'll, they'll say, Oh, that's Lieutenant Mike. So, um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty humbling to know that, that cops know me because of, you know, the message that I'm putting out there and also because of my, my presence on social media. It's, it's definitely, um, a great feeling to know that, that cops are watching and that cops are, um, you know, uh, viewing it as, as something that they might want to do in the future, you know, as re in regard to the mentoring and possibly moving up the ranks, things of that nature. And then on the street, you have people that recognize you as well. I've been in every borough and I've been, you know, approached by, by civilians that follow me on social media. All right, at this moment, we're going to pause and hear from our sponsors. So can you just describe the mentorship program that you're a part of? So the mentoring program that I'm a part of is called Student Sponsor Partners. Um, I've been a mentor in the program for the past 10 years. And basically what they do is they offer opportunities for inner city kids to go to private school and get a, a, a great education. And they also pair them with a mentor. Um, so 10 years ago, I was going through a divorce. I was, in, I was living in my friend's basement. And I was looking up at the ceiling. I was laying on an air mattress. And I was just asking God, you know, the, the, the normal question that someone going through a divorce would ask is like, why me? Mm -hmm. Right. So as I'm asking myself that question, I'm looking for some purpose. And out of the blue, my high school basketball coach calls me and he says, Mike, um, he goes, uh, we started this new program in the school and uh, we need mentors and I thought about you. I think you'd be a perfect fit. And before he could finish his sentence, I said, absolutely, coach. I'm in. So I said, the only thing I ask is that you pair me with an athlete so I can go to the games and things like that. So he pairs me up with this with this uh, freshman, and I meet him. We hit it off right away. He's a basketball player. Basketball is one of my first, first loves. And uh, I started mentoring him. He wound up winning a championship his freshman year. Wound up getting a full scholarship, um, senior year to go to to go to university, and now he's playing overseas professional nice. basketball. Um, my second mentee, he's a sophomore at St. John's University. Um, my third mentee is a junior at Bishop Lachlan High School, and my fourth mentee is at Nazareth. He's a sophomore, and um, throughout those years, um, I've mentored other um, youth as well unofficially. Um, not assigned to me, so mm -hmm. so to speak. But uh, a few years ago, two years ago, I was driving home and a vision came to my mind. I wanted to recruit more cops to become mentors because of my experience as a kid. So SSP had called me and said, hey, um, we're just checking in. How's it going with your mentee? So I said, yeah, it's going great. I said, I have this, I have this idea. And I pitched the idea to the person on the phone. That person pitched it to their executive director. Within five minutes, I got a phone call, and it was the executive director of the program, like the top person. Mm. And I felt like like uh, Will Smith in the movie <laughs> Pursuit of Happiness, you know, when he and he skips all those names and just goes right to the top, right? So the lady on the line, her name is Deborah Vizzi. She's actually the first ever SSP student. She was a foster care kid. 
She was abused as a, as a child. She wound up getting into the program. She was the first student, wound up going to college, getting her degrees, becoming very successful. And they wind up hiring her to run the program that she started in, that she was the first. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. So um, she loved the idea. And she said, yeah, let's do it. So within two weeks, I, recru- I recruited about 300 people. And half of them were cops. Wow. And to this day, I still get pictures from cops, sergeants, lieutenants that are mentors, them and their mentee out, you know, at events, you know, before pre-COVID at events, you know, um, just it's been amazing. It's been a complete blessing. So how, you know, how exactly can somebody join this program? Because it sounds, you know, this sounds nice. So SSP to join as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to fall within a, a, a specific criteria, and mm-hmm. it's it's low income families um, making basically like forty thousand per capita. So um, they have to have about an eighty five average. So they don't want the like the super super duper smart kids that are going to excel no matter what. They want the average kids like seventy five to eighty five that type of kid, and then they pair them up with a capable adult that's going to mentor them through life through those four years and beyond. Like I still keep in touch with my first mentee. He's from 10 years ago. So, um, it it really becomes part of your life and you immerse yourself in this program and you, you, you get such a sense of fulfillment being able to impact someone's life in a positive way where they, they look to you for guidance. Joining as a mentor, as a mentor, um, basically if, if, I submit your name. Um, you become a. They pair you up with a mentee, and it's very minimal requirement, time requirement. You you're required to pre-COVID to meet with your mentee four to six times a year, and speak to them either through the phone, text, email, social media, once a month. That's it. Obviously, if you're more involved, you do it more often. But um, but that's it. And they do a background check if you're not law enforcement and you get paired with a with a kid. So how do you see the relationship between the youth and police officers progressing um, in the new future? So like in the next couple of years? Well, that's a tough question. Um, programs like options, programs like um, 127 Pen um, definitely are helping to to unite or to or to mend the relationship right or to improve the relationship but there's always going to be incidents no matter what there's always going to be incidents that that take us five steps back and that's just a part of life that's that's been going on forever so although my my hope is that we do come together and show more youth that cops are just human just like just like them um, I know that there's incidents and and things that happen that won't allow for it to be. It'll never be a full, yeah, no. large scale like embrace. Right? There's always going to be some type of friction between you know cops and the community. That's just the way it is. I mean, cops' jobs are to put bad people in prison, right? And sometimes that bad person might be a family member of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if your if your uncle, you know, your cousin gets arrested you automatically are going to see the police as the bad person. Yeah, there's no right way to, you know, to go about and, that. And, and there's, no, there's no way to fix that. 
That's why firemen are considered heroes. They're never, <laughs> because they're never, they're never you know, arresting they're, they're you or never, giving you a summons. They're only right? coming to help. They're right? only yeah. coming to help. So unfortunately, that's part of our job. Not unfortunately. I mean, it, it is part of our job, and we take it serious, you know, keeping the, the city safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but those interactions, you know, th- those families. I mean, there's a program in, in Bed-Stuy that, that focuses on youth that are impacted by incarceration. Mm-hmm. They're called Children of Promise. Um and I've worked with them in the past, actually. And they basically have mentors for kids that have a parent or guardian that's incarcerated. How how impactful would it be to have police mentoring those mm-hmm. kids, you know? John, you're very outspoken on social media, too. I know you have brought that up for the lieutenant. But you're also out there always talking about the department, be it defending options or explaining options. Why don't you go a little bit into your roles there or your experiences there? I, um, at the, at the, at the end of the day, I'm a theater kid. Um, and when you, you know, you join a theatrical world, there's certain things you're exposed to a lot of opinions and a lot of passion. So, um, there's always in my social groups, there's always uh, a uproar, there's always an outcry. So I'm, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of it. And, um, I, I talk about a lot of it on social media, like Joe was saying, like, um, like what happened at uh, Capitol Hill yesterday, uh, the, the murder of George Floyd, and all of it. I, I find myself at protests sometimes, etc. And basically, my my goal from like my 500 followers, um, my goal always has been to make information that is public but doesn't feel public public. You know, like if I see that with that one post, that kind of shows both sides of a situation. I'm just no, there's going to be no commentary, nothing. I just put it out there on my page. So that um, people who, like, you know, some of my friends who have a larger follower base, who has um, more platforms, can then take that information that I made public and put that even bigger. So now thousands of people are seeing it and more and more people are seeing it. Um, My theater company, we do a lot of shows. It's very political. Um, so with that, I get very political. You know, I have a very specific standpoint and, and point of view that I push with my, my, my media. But I always try to keep in mind that, you know, there is both sides. And, and you have to understand that people do think a certain way. And that you can't really, you can try, but you can't really change a person. You have to respect that. They're still a human being um, at the end of the day. Uh, when it comes to to, to NYPD or, or cops in specific, I always um, kind of come to the defense of options. And when I'm defending options, I always say I'm defending options. I'm not defending the NYPD and I'm not defending law enforcement because this is a program that's youth led and it's about the youth and it's about the community. And we are partnered and we are funded and we are with the NYPD because we're with that fragment of it that is striving to do better for the community and I'm always consistently trying to defend that because you know every day with my own friend group because like I said I have a a group that's passionate um, and sometimes hatred leads to passion so they're passionate about different within NYPD so I always defend options because you know you push options with social media options I think is like that child that baby that's going to fix everything options is going to fix everything you heard it here (laughs) folks we are just about at the tail end of our show here so We talked a lot about it, Lieutenant. Where could everyone find this Instagram that we spoke so much about? Uh, Lieutenant Mike on IG. Um, Common spelling, I guess. So actually spell out the word Lieutenant. Yeah, Lieutenant and then Mike, yeah. Gotcha. All right, well, 
thank you very much for Madison, for John, and for our guest, Lieutenant Almonte. Still exciting to have bosses in the room, I guess. I appreciate <laughs> I it. I'm officer, honored. I'm honored. Officer Joe Galetta, thank you guys. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>